You ready? You guys ready? Okay, we're going to pray because we need the Lord to lead this time. And uh, yeah, that's all. So let's pray. Father, God, thank you for this time. God, thank you for this group. Uh, Lord, God, your spirit is is perfect and God, I'm just kind of in awe and a little bit uh, taken off guard just by how you work in our hearts and and in this group and in this church. Um, Because Lord, there's burdens. And there's a there's hard things that we've got in our lives, each of us. And, um, and God, You have given us everything that we need for right now, for this moment. All we've got right now to hear from You and to meet with You. And so God, please give us grace to respond to You, to Your presence right now. God, give us grace to see You moving. God, give us grace to hear your voice this morning. God, give us grace to be comforted by you. Give us grace to be led by you this morning. God, I I just ask that that we would all be able to to hear from you clearly and that that I would be moved out of the way that God you would um, just that you would speak through me clearly and um, God that you would have your way that you'd be glorified in this time and God I ask that in Jesus name Amen so this morning we're going to talk about why would we pray why would we do that and uh, I was having a conversation with Gavin this week this last week And when we were talking, I was remembering uh, through that conversation that through the majority of my uh, ministry as a young man, through the majority of my ministry as a teenager, uh, there was a lot of dry ministry. There was a lot of dry ministry. And what I mean by that is there was a lot of interactions that I had with my friends, with my peers. There's been a lot of interactions that I've even had with you with other, you know, variations of this youth group in years past that have been very dry. And I mean, uh, they've been missing a very necessary power of the Holy Spirit that comes through the invitation by prayer and by crying out to God. What I'm saying is a lot of ministry that I've done in my life through high school into young adulthood uh, has been missing a very key component, and that is being desperate in prayer to God. And, and the Lord has just kind of been growing me in my prayer life and drawing me to brokenness and drawing me to prayer over the last few months. And I think He's been doing that for me, but He's also been doing that for this ministry. For you guys, specifically even. But for the youth ministry, that God has been working me over so that he can, he can get to you and, and call out to you, hey, 
Don't do dry ministry. Right? Don't throw out dead seeds on dry ground. Because life doesn't grow that way. Ministry doesn't happen that way. And here's, here's kind of a weird... We're kind of in a, a weird shift of our ministry. This ministry, I believe, is, is changing and growing dramatically. I believe that God is moving. I believe that God is going to use many of you in profound ways. I believe that God is calling you guys to ministry in different uh, capacities. I believe that you guys are, are a unique generation of MBT student because God has brought this church to a unique place. This youth group is different from, it than, from how it's ever been. Ten years ago, this youth ministry looked nothing like this. Ten years ago, I was starting to kick the tires on coming to Midtown. Philip and Christina were here. They were involved in youth ministry at varying degrees, right? Brandon was leading um, the middle school and then the high school and then the, or the high school and then the middle, the both, and then the middle school, he was leading the ministry, right? James Fife was teaching this class, the high school class. Things just look very much different than they do now. And I'm, I'm believing and trusting God that this group, this generation, this stage of youth ministry is different. It's going to be fruitful like we've never seen before. But we're in a weird situation because what, we, what we've been seeing lately is God's been moving. Salvation's at the fall retreat. There's like five kids who got saved, who made professions of faith. Guys, that's outstanding. That's wild. That's exemplary. That's God moving in a way that you and I, we literally couldn't fabricate. We can fabricate a lot of ministry. Like, I could sing a song to you right now, even a praise song, and make you think that I'm doing ministry. You can fake worship. That's easy. You can fake love. That's easy. But seeing multiple kids stand up and give their life to Jesus, I don't know that you can fabricate that quite as easily. God's moving. We've been asking God for mentors to be paired with students who have signed up for mentorship. God's moving. We've seen students signing up for mentorship. Students who are new to Midtown. Students who uh, mentorship wasn't something on the radar. We've seen students sign up. There's, a lot, there's actually a lot of people signed up for mentorship because God's moving. And in fact, we need to keep praying for mentors because there's a shortage of mentors. Because God is moving in this class, in your guys' hearts, and saying, hey, let's take a step of faith. Let's move forward. And you guys have responded. There's been healing. There's been recovery uh, physically. There's been all kinds of things that God has been doing in this group. And here's what I don't want us to miss. That that's a direct result of a group of people praying desperately that God would move. That's been a result of prayer. And some of you, as I say, that's been a direct result of prayer. You're like, yeah, okay, I'm sure it was. Cool, whatever. But you've not been a part of that prayer force. And I simply want to invite you to that. And, and this morning what we're going to talk about is why would we pray? 
Why would you pray? Why would you join that movement of prayer? Why would you be part of begging God for him to move in this ministry, to see this ministry change dramatically over the next five years? Why wouldn't you be part of that? And we're going to look at a couple reasons why you would. I'm going to address two things that Scripture says about prayer, and then then we're going to spend some time in prayer, hopefully, if, if time allows. And so let me start with our first key point. Why would we pray? Well, we pray. We would pray. You should pray. We need to pray because we're cared for. We pray because we are cared for. A very practical, easy example of that is children talk to their father, especially when they know that their father loves them, right? If you don't know that your dad loves you, you probably don't talk to him very much. Or talking to him is kind of weird and awkward. But not so. It shouldn't be that way with God the Father. God the Father cares for you, and therefore that draws us to, to pray to him. So First Peter uh, chapter 5, verse 6 and 7, they lay it out this way. It says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Here it is. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Our prayer, here's what you need to understand. Our prayer is not an obligation of religious piety. You're like, what? You don't use that word in here, Jeff. My bad. In other words, we don't pray because we are holy. We don't pray because we are mature and we have to try to be and look spiritual. That's not why you pray. Consider this, prayer is not performance. You need to understand that. It's not about regiment. We pray because we need to be heard by God. And God wants to listen to our cares. We pray because it is privilege. And without God's active involvement in our lives personally, in our quiet time, we're left to our own thoughts, feelings, and circumstances that will burden us and make life a whole lot harder than it has to be. So I don't know if you were in the the worship service in the 8 o'clock slot. That's where a few of us are. And I love that whenever it's Brandon or Sam or whoever is preaching down there, I really am encouraged that the Holy Spirit has led us in similar paths. He's joined the messages, right? And, and Pastor Brandon is preaching in main service this morning, and you want, to, you want to make sure that you're there at whatever worship service you can get in because he's going to talk about your quiet time. He's going to talk about retreating into quiet time with the Father and And here's one example of why that's so important. Because if you don't, if you don't retreat, if you don't go and give the cares and the burdens of your heart and your mind to God in the quietness of a morning and an evening, if you don't do that, here's what reality looks like for the world. Here's what you're left with. I've got a graphic up here. There's two graphics. They're actually one. And so I'm going to walk through a couple of things. These are just depression and suicide Uh, stats in young adults. Now you might be thinking, dude, I'm not depressed or suicidal. Well, bear with me. You might be saying I'm depressed and suicidal. Well, welcome to this club, right? Or maybe you just know someone who's depressed. Or maybe you felt depressed before. Or maybe you just need to know what the real world is like. Maybe you live in a bubble. 
Well, this is what everybody else is dealing with. One out of every four college students or adults suffer from some form of diagnosable mental illness. So 25% of people got something going on mentally. 19%, just under that, about 19% of young people contemplate or attempt suicide each year. That means, statistically, one-fifth of this group thinks about or attempts suicide every year. I know of multiple students who have attempted and or thought about suicide that have been a part of the MBT youth group. I know that that is a thought that people have in this ministry. Right? Maybe you didn't know that. Well, you should know that. A lot of people think about that and struggle through that. Suicide is the third leading cause of death among people aged 15 to 24 and the second leading cause of death in college students ages 20 to 24, right? Wild. And you can look through all these statistics. You can look at all the alarming realities of the thought life, of the heart life, and people in the world. It's awful. Four out of five uh, four out of every five college students who either contemplate or attempt suicide show clear warning signs. So they've got the thoughts and then they express them and you can see it. And if you'll open your eyes, if you'll look at the souls around you, you will see that people are struggling through this. And maybe you're struggling with this. What I'm telling you is you need prayer and you need to cast your care upon God because he cares for you. And if you don't give your cares to him, then what are you left with? You're left with either these types of thoughts and feelings or you're left with being surrounded by these people. With no peace or joy to offer them with no answer. You understand? You've got to we we've got to pray. Because without prayer, it's hopeless. But Psalm 62 verse 8 says this. Here's an encouragement to us. Trust in Him. Trust in God at all times. You people, pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. It's like peace. God is a refuge for us. So pour out your heart before Him. Come before God. Come boldly for the throne of grace and pour out your heart before Him. Because you know what's in your heart? Me neither. There's all kinds of stuff in there that I'm convinced isn't in there. There's all kinds of thoughts and feelings that I have that I've suppressed, that I've convinced myself, ah, you know, I don't, you know that's not that bad. When in reality, I need to go and expose my heart before the Word of God. And I need the Word of God to then expose that to me and to cut those things out. And to be able to just have communion with God. Does that make sense? You need that. We have the great privilege of trusting our heart and our circumstances and our lives to a God who loves us so much that He chose to die for us. But maybe you're thinking, okay, I don't have those thoughts, Jeff. Like, chill. I'm not suicidal. I'm not depressed. My life's pretty good. I don't have that outpouring. I don't have that desperation in my quiet time. I don't need that. I'm cool to just check in, get my Bible reading time, check out. And I'm good. Because I'm not, I'm not depressed. It's all good. 
I've got good friends. I've got a good life. I want to read um, just a quick passage from a book I'm reading that maybe would encourage you. If, if maybe you feel like, I don't, I don't struggle with these bad thoughts. I feel pretty good. Okay. Well, here's what this guy says. His name is, uh, what is his name? Daniel Henderson. It says this. I've concluded that the more we seek the Lord with a passion for His worthiness, the more we are gripped with our neediness. Adoration, get this, cultivates desperation. You say, my life's pretty good. Okay, seek God and give Him praise because this guy's saying, he's noticed when you seek God in praise, that cultivates desperation and no longer are you just cool because your life is cool. The prophet Isaiah confessed, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. This declaration of desperation was not motivated by a circumstantial uh, calamity or some low view of himself. It was prompted by a high view of God. Isaiah gave the reason for his passionate confession. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. A consistent, here it is, a consistent pursuit of God's worthiness produces a deepening understanding of our neediness, cultivated uh, desperation. So you say, my life isn't that bad. Man, praise God. Literally, you should praise God because that will draw you to a place of desperation. And no longer will you be content because your life is good, but everyone else around you is dying and going to hell or they feel like they're already there. Wake up, get over yourself, give praise to God, and you'll find that desperation that, that you need, but that other people need. Other people, lost people, saved people who are struggling, need you to be depressed. Now, I'm not saying you need to be depressed, but you need to go and, and get in the trenches with them. They need you to feel that burden with them. They need you to bear that with them. To get low with them so that you can say, hey, look at this joy I have. Let me just, let me weep with you. Let me mourn with you. And let's let God exalt us in due time. Let me humble myself with you. And we'll let Him just lift us up. Bro, you need that. If this ministry is going to continue to grow, if God is going to continue to move, and if you're going to be on board with that, which, by the way, you want to be on board with that, then that's what it's going to look like. Be desperate. Be humble in prayer. Here's the second key point. This is why we would pray. We pray because we, pray because we are called to impact eternity. So transitioning from that thought of meeting people where they're at, We retreat, we seek God, we praise God. It produces desperation. It produces eyes to see situations. And then we continue to pray because we're called to impact eternity. Colossians 4, verse 2 through 4. It says, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving, with all praying also for us. Here's what Paul says to this church. He says that God would open unto us a door of utterance. That God would open a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. He says, pray for me that I would have open doors 
to preach truth, to preach the gospel, because I have to do that, and I need you to support me and pray that God would open doors. Okay, so here's a, here's a key thought to consider. Paul tells the church to pray for open doors because God opens doors when we pray. If you don't have open doors, you're not praying. If you say, I would share the gospel if, you know, something happened, if, if it was an obvious opportunity, well, are you praying for that? Secondly, do you have other people praying for that? Do you have people saying, hey, I'm praying for you because I know that we're in this together and you need me to pray for you and, and you need to pray for me for open doors for each other. Do you have that? And, and the reality is if God can open doors and we can walk through them, which we're going we're gonna to get to next year, if we can go through them, guys, you're impacting eternity. You're offering a lifeline to someone who will literally spend eternity in hell. They're going to suffer in torture and separation from God for eternity according to Scripture. You can be a part of seeing an open door and throwing a lifeline out to them. Does that make sense? Okay, Paul also says in Ephesians 6 verse 18 and 20, you know, the armor of God is presented here in Ephesians chapter 6. And it's really easy, I think. In my mind, to say, okay, you've got all these different things, the helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, right? The, the shield of faith, my feet are shod, you know, like all these components. But when you get to the end of the armor, the most, most important part, I kind of just like, all right, I got my armor, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go to battle. But you miss the whole, the whole point, okay? Verse 18, here's the last part of the armor of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. You're going you're gonna to do well to endure, to persevere, to work at praying for, for the saints, for each other. And for me, Paul says, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly. So he says to the Colossians, hey, will you pray for an open door? And to the Ephesians, he says, hey, will you pray that I would have utterance, that, my, that I may open my mouth boldly? Can you pray for boldness? Can you pray for that for me? To make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I'm an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. He says, hey, will you pray that I could, that I could preach boldly? Because I have to. Because that's who I am. I have to do it, and I need you to pray for me that I open my mouth. Paul tells the church to pray for him to have utterance and boldness because God gives utterance and boldness when we pray. Come on. It's as simple as that, and it goes right over my head. I'm like, let's get busy in ministry. Let's plan these events. Let's do these things. Let's have this fun. Let's reach out in this way. And what we need is an open door. What we need is boldness and utterance for you guys, for whoever's preaching the word, so that so that a lifeline can be thrown, so that people can be saved, and then those people who, who get saved can be brought into the fold of God. And they can regularly, weekly, two times a week, hear from God, meet with God in this kind of context. And they can learn to meet with God on their own. And they can learn to retreat and meet with God. And we can be, we can be grown up. We can be matured. As individual believers, but also as a collective ministry. Don't you want that? I'm desperate for that. 
I don't want anything else with this ministry. I don't care if we ever have another fun event. Some of your hearts just dropped. Like, oh no. But we're going to have fun. I love to have fun. I like to play as much as any other adult on planet Earth. But what I'm growing in is I want to be more desperate for souls. And I want to be more desperate in prayer. Mazzy can plan the Tuesday night hangouts. She's got great ideas. But I don't want to do it. I just want to pray. You're up, Mazzy. I just want to pray. I want to be given to prayer and the ministry of the Word. I want you to join me in that. You know what I mean? So here's what it looks like. Doors are opened. Truth is preached. What happens? You pray that God opens the door of opportunity. And He does. He opens that door of opportunity by His Spirit. Then your heart and eyes are set with the expectation because you've been praying for an open door. You're set. You're looking for that open door that you, that you went out on a limb and you trusted God for. And then you see the door when it opens. And then you walk through it. And then God convicts a sinner using His Word that you've preached by His Spirit. God will work in someone's heart. Because you're just walking in faith. God, would you open a door for me? Would you give me utterance and boldness? And He does. And He convicts a sinner. And then you follow up with prayer to God after you leave that encounter. And you pray, God, God, convict them. Oh, Lord, please. Save this kid that I just got to talk to. Save Sir Jaden, please. Save Yanni. God, because if you don't, what's, what's the alternative? Them burning in hell. And I know that, God, you don't want that. And so I'm just agreeing with you that I don't want that either. And so would your spirit please move in their life right now? Would you remind them right now of how much you love them and how much their sin is exceeding sinful? Then you pray that God opens another door. And so God, give me follow-up. And you pray for more boldness. Because you're like, now nah, I'm really scared. Give me boldness. Give me utterance to follow up with them again. And then all of a sudden, the conversation is something along the lines of, I need that. What do I do? How can I be saved? And then you get to do the most exciting, amazing thing in the entire world. You get to lead someone practically to salvation. I have a student, his name is Daniel. He graduated a couple years ago, I think. Year two, three, something like that. And I was praying for open doors at work. And this kid would come to my room and he would sit at my desk and we would talk about if God was real or not. It was a very scientific, practical conversation. He says, I'm agnostic. I don't know if God's real. I said, well, I do. He says, well, here's why I don't think he is. I said, well, here's what the Bible says about that. He says, wow, that makes sense. And then he leaves and he watches stupid videos that convince him that God's not real again. And this happens for a year, maybe two. Finally, I say, bro, every time you come to me with these questions and the Bible has answers for you, you then go and confuse yourself. Give God a chance. Give God a chance. 
Don't watch videos. Just listen to this. We can have these conversations, but don't listen to Tyson moron guy, whatever his name is on YouTube. This dude whose mouth needs to be shut. Don't listen to him. Just give God a chance. Go to a church. See what it's like. See what God does. Starts going to a church with a girl. One of, these, one of his friends. God begins to move in his life. Some of you prayed for this dude. And then, a comedian, the church, they have like a comedian come in. And he stole my fruit. Dang it. The comedian is cracking jokes and then at the end he gives an altar call and Daniel stands up and gives his life to Jesus. Dude. That's a result of literally some of your guys' prayer. Literally some of you guys prayed for that dude. And there's nothing like that. And that's what this ministry could be. People who pray because God cares for us and because we can impact eternity. So Acts chapter 2, verse 41 and 42. Let me give you a biblical example. So Peter gets up and he preaches. People get saved. And then it says this in verse 41 and 42. It says, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. What happened? Revival. As a result of prayer. And then guess what happened after that revival? Prayer. And then the last verse of that chapter says, And God added unto the church daily such as should be saved. I don't want just five salvations at a retreat that we did. I don't want that. I want more. I want it to be a weekly, a daily thing where we're praying and we're seeing God transform lives. Don't you want that? I do. That's what I want. And that's the example we see all through Acts. God's people pray. God saves people. That's what happens. God literally answers our prayers. Wake up, church. God answers our prayers. Why would we pray? Because God cares for you. Because God wants to answer your prayers. So God, by His Spirit... He uses you, uses me. He uses us to pray, to preach, and to practically lead a person to salvation. Why would we pray? Because we need our Father to hear us. And we need Him to speak to us in His Word. And we need to be known by the God in heaven. And not only that, but others need salvation. And God will answer our prayers for other salvation. I don't know about you. That's what I'm asking God for. And so what I know that this ministry is going to look like in one, two, three years, I know that there's going to be people who are desperate and broken before God. And I don't know if that's going to be you. Because you have a free will. And God can, God can convict and God can call you out and say, hey, I want you to be a praying person. And I want to use you in the lives of other people. And you can say no. But God is a very hard man to ignore. And what I'm praying and what I'm I'm. I'm calling the counselors and I'm calling you if you're a student and you think, you know, you're a believer and maybe you're a leader and you're a student. I don't know. I'm calling everyone. Let's just pray that God would transform this ministry, that we would be a people of prayer, that we would love prayer. 
We wouldn't let our flesh, who says, nah, don't pray, do that later. We wouldn't let that dictate our prayer life. I'm tired of my flesh winning my prayer life. I'm tired of it. I want power. I want God to be moving in our lives. Amen? We need that. So I, that's what we're going to do now. We're going to pray. There's two things. And so we can split you know, however we need to. But the two things that I'd like you guys to just spend some time in prayer over is what things do we need to lift up to God together? And who do we know that needs to be saved? So your individual or group prayer time, you can pray by yourself. You can pray in a group. Maybe you have a time of, you know, confession before peers. I don't know. There's liberty in saying, hey, Trevon, I need you to pray for me because I've got this thing going on. And then for Trevon to then pray for me or for Gavin to then pray for me, there's liberty there. Uh, but maybe you just need individual time. Your neighbor's going to be like, hey, Trevon, will you pray with me? And you can say, no, I think I'm just going to pray by myself for a minute. Maybe you just need to get real with God. Do that. Then, we're going to pray for souls. Okay? Make sense? And then, we're going to be out of time. So, take 10 minutes or so, and we're just going to have a season of prayer. Ready, go. I'm coming.